Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Jackie. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are celebrating Danielle's birthday by talking about one of her favorite movies, the 2000 cheerleading classic, Bring It On. The day has come. It has. <laughs> it's Before we started this podcast, I identified like movies that were going to be big deals like we couldn't just do them nilly willy yeah and bring it on was definitely one of them I believe clueless is another mean girls is another 10 things I hate about you 10 things I hate about you the big ones it was literally like every time I bring them up it's not time yet (laughs) and then it was time. It was very much a Lion King moment. It was, yeah. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it would be my birthday movie, but I said, you know what? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's talk uh-huh. about the Compton Clovers. How <laughs> the Toros did them dirty. Cultural <laughs> appropriation. <laughs> Go ahead. But before we dive in, let's get into some... Housekeeping. Housekeeping. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here are a few ways that you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? If you want to be featured and help us grow, head to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, iHeartRadio, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And if you like what you hear and want to buy us a virtual cup of coffee, head over to ko-fi.com slash no more late fees. And don't forget, we've got merch, guys. So head over to no more late fees.redbubble.com and check out our many new designs that we have for you to check out. All 90s and 2000s themed and really cool sayings and fun, weird things that we've just come out of our mouths, I guess you could say, on the podcast right there in your storefront. Let's get into this movie, Jackie. Okay, let's do it. The Toro cheerleading squad from Rancho Carne High School in San Diego has got spirit, spunk, sass, and a killer routine that's sure to land them the national championship trophy for the sixth year in a row. But for newly elected team captain Torrance, the Toro's road to total cheer glory takes a shady turn when she discovers that their perfectly choreographed routines were in fact stolen from the Clovers, a hip-hop squad from East Compton by the Toro's former captain, Big Red. It stars Kirsten Dunst, Eliza Dushku, Jesse Bradford, and Gabrielle Union. It was directed by Peyton Reed, our second Peyton Reed movie in... This year, this season. Uh, He also did Down With Love. Yep. It was written by Jessica Bendinger, and you can currently watch it on Tubi. But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current cells agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. Same day rental. Trash, just like Sparky Plarsky's routine. Straight up trash. 
Yes. I spirit, my spirit fingers agree with that. <laughs> what is your Y2K rating of this movie? Oh, Y2K Jackie loved it. Had it on DVD, had it on repeat, knew all the cheers. It was a fan favorite of mine. <laughs> Same. I don't remember like seeing it in the theater. I, I know I must have. But like, I don't have a memory of it per se, but it it came out. Wait, did it come out when we were in high school or in college or was it that summer? Let's see. Think it. August 25th, 2000. So it was summer right before college started. Yeah. I wonder if I was already at school. Because it just like feels like a movie I would have saw with you. Yeah. But I'm wondering if I actually did see it while I was at school. Oh, this brain of mine. <laughs> Shiny and new. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a definite would buy it again. I know that while I was at school, I had it on VHS. Then I got it on DVD and I watched it like a lot just in my room. Comfort. And I would also love to watch the DVD extras because Mm -hmm. there's like a cut scene where Torrance and Isis go to the same college together and they're like on the team or something. I don't know. All I just remember, they're like outside of a football stadium or something, Mm -hmm. but like they're under some sort of arch or whatever. And they're like talking to each other. And I used to be like, oh, we're going to get that. Bring it on too. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. I mean, we got it. Just what not we, the way we wanted it. What we got was not what I was asking for. <laughs> and this, my friends, is why when you manifest things, you've got to be very specific. <laughs> because the universe was like, I, you want some more? here's all or nothing here are six (laughs) more of these things five more of these i think they're making another one right now as we speak but you know what i'm not mad at it for like obviously none of the continuation ones are anything like the original Mm -hmm. but they feed a source to some people especially like cheerleaders they love it you know yeah and they're campy and ridiculous they're just fun they're fun like stick it it's ridiculous but it's so much fun to watch (laughs) both both stick it and bring it on were both written by the same writer and they both highlight just sports that we kind of probably turned a blind eye to especially because they're female dominated sports Mm -hmm. I mean until this movie and before like ESPN started to really put the competitions on TV, I don't think people really looked at cheerleading as a sport. Yeah. So this movie did a lot for it to kind of show just like a little piece of, Hey, there's this thing happening (laughs) over here that no one knows about. So the movie had a budget of about like 11 almost 11 to 12 million dollars and it ended up worldwide making 90.5 million dollars it was released august 25th 2000 like you said 
and it actually beat The Cell with J-Lo and The Art of War with Wesley Snipes at the time. And nobody saw that coming, like yeah. legit. Although it experienced like a 34% decline in gross earnings, the film did hold its top position for a second consecutive week. I did another deep dive in the oral <laughs> retelling of how the movie got made and everything that MTV did. I think it was like the 15 year anniversary for the movie mm-hmm. with the entire casting and crew. It was also very interesting. A lot of it, though, was different than when we did Drumline because Drumline, all of that information was like brand new. But for Bring It On, like we've seen so many viral videos about the comings and goings of that movie. Mm-hmm. So I but it, it was pretty interesting. I know Gabrielle Union has done a couple of interviews And she did say that no one thought that this was going to be a hit. It was actually the fallback movie because everyone wanted Sugar and Spice because that was supposed to be the hit. And then instead, they didn't get that. They got this movie. So the vibe on the set was just kind of like, okay, let's just get this over with type thing. But then she said in retrospect, like they had a lot of fun together, but they didn't think this movie was going to have the legs that it did. Yeah. And then she also said that they actually had the Clovers shoot extra scenes. And so they put those scenes in the trailers and they're not in the actual movie to try and get a Black audience to come see the movie. So what ended up happening was they didn't know how to market this movie. Like you said, like nobody, the studio, this movie got passed like more over more, almost like 30 times more than 20 times when Jessica was trying to like sell it and then it got sold and then then trying to pitch it to to distributors whole nother issue universal eventually picked it up but again they were like you have a small budget this is going to be nothing this is a stupid cheerleader movie this is a girl movie like you know how they do and they didn't know how to market it so the biggest problem was they could figure out a trailer for it, right? Mm-hmm. So they finally were just like, okay, let's do what Michael Bay does, which is he makes different trailers for different audiences. He makes mm-hmm. one for the guys, he makes one for the women, he makes one for the urban crowd, which is just black. Yeah. And so that's what they decided to do. And because test audiences, when they kept watching, when they saw the movie, everybody really wanted to see more of the Clovers. And so they were like, shit, what are we going to do? We need to promote this. So that's why they ended up filming those extra scenes for the trailer, because people were so positive. Instead of saying, "Mm, maybe we should add some storyline. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they, they misled essentially the Black audience because the quote unquote urban trailers were geared thinking that you were going to see more of the clovers they had them in school they had them with their boyfriends things we never saw like at all in the movie whatsoever so if you saw those trailers i apologize to you because you got bamboozled yes a (laughs) hundred percent so jessica bendinger she was a former journalist and music video director And really how this started was she started watching the ESPN competitions and was like obsessed. And she was like, 
people need to know about this. <laughs> and I think she was working at MTV at the time. She wanted to do a documentary about this life. Nobody seemed interested at work. So then she was like, okay, I'll write it as like a movie. And the way that she pitched it was Clueless meets Strictly Ballroom set in high school at the National High School cheerleading competitions. She just had a love for hip hop because she used to work at Spin Magazine and cheerleading. So she was trying to like mesh these two pieces together. And so, yeah, she wrote the script. She got... And and she also added the film's depiction of the cultural appropriation which was informed by her time as a hip hop, as a white writer covering hip hop artists at a music magazine. Yeah, because she kept seeing like all the white kids emulate, you know, these hip hop artists and their lifestyles and culture, but obviously not really giving anything back <laughs> in the same way. And I I think one of the things at the time when we saw this movie, so many of us, we're not seeing it as this tale of cultural appropriation, right? The way that she did it wasn't heavy-handed to the white audiences, right? But to the Black audiences and to other ethnic cultures, I think it was nice to be able to see yourself represented on screen, even if it was just like a very small part But in a lot of white teen movies, we are there to hold up the main character, the the white character. But we didn't get to see a lot of the Clovers, but they kind of had their own agency in a sense, you know. And they ate up every scene they were in. And I I think it was just authenticity because Mm -hmm. one of the things Gabrielle Union said was that like when she got the script and even when she was doing her audition or read through whatever she was just like I the language in here is not it was just like a mixture of black exploitation characters like all these caricatures of a black person mixed into one and she's like yeah I'm not saying any of this like I don't know anyone who would say this ever (laughs) so she worked with Peyton Reed a lot to work on kind of building this character. And she's spoken recently to say that that's never happened where she had so much autonomy over a character and being, and she's like, I don't know if I'll ever have that again. And she said that she regrets not pushing more to to do more with the character. But I kind of understand how that probably happened because one, it's like you're in Hollywood, you're never able to do that in a situation. And she didn't know herself yet. Like she was still pretty young. I mean, she was older than most of the cast, but she was still, she still had to be like in her twenties at least or. Well, and she's navigating white Hollywood with a white director and it's like, okay, well, he's going to let me do this. Like how far do I push? Right. Until I start getting blowback or I'm fired and I'm recast, you know? Right. I Uh, I think. Peyton probably would have I mean the fact that he even asked her and this was his directorial debut so like I think everyone was coming together no one had like egos everybody was like humbled and it they they didn't think they were making you know an Oscar contender but they were having fun 
and nobody was watching them. That was the other thing. I think sometimes when a studio thinks that you're, the movie is going to tank or it's dumb, then it's not a problem. You almost like, have more like free reign to do whatever uh-huh. the fuck you want. They're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica said that when they did a screening with like the studio people and she brought her friends or whatever, she they still didn't like believe in the movie whatsoever. And she said a studio person, she introduced them to her friend and they were like, yeah, but I had nothing to do with this movie. Like, could you imagine? And the producers who ended up getting the company that ended up picking up the movie, mm-hmm. they had to like beg the owner of the company. And the one of the producers said like, look, I'm on my hands and knees. They went, they kept going back to to the owner like please this is this is the movie and he was like no and so one of them got down on their knees and was just like we're like I'm literally begging and I haven't begged the last time I begged like this was when I was telling you to buy screen and so the owner was like so you're telling me this movie's gonna make 300 million dollars like screen and she was like yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) whatever you need to hear (laughs) Uh, but I just think that's really cool because when Jessica wrote it it just was kind of sitting you know nobody was picking it up and then when they did pick it up one like then it was just kind of sitting there and then all of a sudden a pretty popular director saw it told went back to universal and was like this is it this is the movie you gotta gotta do it and so they were like okay and they they said let's do it and they didn't have a director which jessica was like that's unheard of let me tell you some of the things that happened with this movie people were like that's fake that's not real that can't happen but it did and i'm glad for it makes me happy love it you ready yeah I was going to do the whole opening cheer, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about it for a split second. So we have an opening cheer. It introduces the Toros team. And you can tell the the current captain, Big Red, she's kind of a big bitch. Not kind of. She is a big bitch. And so at the end, we see Torrance is named captain. And... Then she has no top on uh, because it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And in this scene, so Sloan, who the actress who plays Big Red, when she did her audition, she, everyone was auditioning for Torrance essentially, right? So they had like no idea who they really were going to get. And so she lied and said that she knew how to be, a, she was a, you know, she could cheer. Mm-hmm. And then when she got the role, she was like, by the way, what role did I get? And they said, you know, Big Red. And she said she had to go back and look at the script because she kind of just like didn't even kind of pay attention to the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said it was just so much fun being such a bitch character in the movie. She did. They all went to cheer camp, but she only went for she went for lesser time because she only had that big scene to perform. 
while the rest really, of them had other ones. I really enjoy her as an actress. Everything yeah. she's been in, she's just nailed and like it, it's almost she makes you almost want to root for Big Bread in a weird way. I'm like, yeah. I, I, see, <laughs> now we're doing the opposite day because I fully thought you were going to come here in here being a Big Red apologist. In what world? <laughs> I don't know. I think only because she was giving what's her face uh, from She's All That. Taylor, Taylor Vaughn, Vaughn was Vaughn. not, was only hurtful. Like, I'm saying like the aloofness and like head bitch in charge. Yeah, but <laughs> not the appropriation. I get where. No, Big Red was here for Big Red. Big Red was evil. Like she was evil. She was not like at least Taylor. She was self-centered, but she was nice. You know, she was nice to her friends to an extent. I, I don't know. Like her motivations were just to be hot and have a hot boyfriend world domination that does not make this bitch <laughs> if you told me she became a politician or a nurse i will believe it i love that those are the two <laughs> options <laughs> look i'm sorry <laughs> and this is coming from the daughter of a nurse <laughs> My mom is a beautiful, beautiful person. And I don't think she fits into that stereotype that the mean girls from school end up being a nurse. But I have seen it a lot. Yeah. Um, but politician, 100%. I could totally see that bitch take it over Congress. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> Morals be done. Be damned. <laughs> So now we are introduced to Aaron Torrance's boyfriend. He is going to college. Rest in peace. Because yes. it wasn't till like what last year you told me he passed away in real life. Yes. But and he, he passed a while ago. Richard Hillman. Yeah. And someone else. And this one of the girls from Black passed away as well. Yeah. I read that. Because I was thinking it was someone else. I think I was getting confused with someone who had a kidney disease and ended up passing away. I thought that mm -hmm. was one of the girls from Black, but it wasn't. But it was my favorite like backup cheerleader, not Isis, but I don't even know what her name is. Janelope? Yeah. Her and um, her real name is Natina Reed. She died in a car accident in it says a at car 32 accident. she was hit by a car and killed that is not a car accident that is not a car accident because i read up on it and she was really really good friends with lisa left i lopez yeah and actually lisa lopez lived with natina while natina was pregnant yeah and they helped her out they were always saying that, like, if anybody was going to play her in a movie, right, it would, it would be her. But, and they gave very similar vibes or whatever, but. And so. then Richard Hillman passed away in 2003. So <laughs> that is the sad part of the podcast. R.I.P. To bring it on. And R.I.P. to Treat Williams. He just really did 
recently passed away and that made me very sad. Yeah. I liked Heather Woodland. <laughs> so a couple things about Aaron. Like he has the most cringy lines. And there yeah. are a lot of cringy lines in this movie, but his character just kicks it up a notch. So it's like he gets he he offers to get out of his car to go help the parents with something. And they're like, no. <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> Seatbelt thing. Uh, 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 uh. Just like the, I'll get the door tour. I'm like, that's no, my stop. favorite. I hate it <laughs> so much. I just, it just sticks in my head. I don't know. I got the door tour. I got the door tour every time. But the funny thing about him in this movie, especially, he just looks like, a discarded Ken doll that went wrong. Yeah, like his hair's a mess. Like his clothes look like they have holes in her, like raggedy. <laughs> he but always also has bigger. Yes. Like, yeah, they're too big for him. He always has wet mouth. <laughs> look at us. We just said RIP and we're tearing I mean, this man apart. We can only speak on what we can speak on. <laughs> and in this performance, I, I don't know what they were doing with Aaron if because it gave you he gave you enough reasons to not like him right it's not like we also had to be like and he can't dress and he doesn't wash his clothes <laughs> and he doesn't buy new clothes like <laughs> it it's so his character is so bizarre <laughs> they had a very small budget Jackie <laughs> I, and I, I think the the whole point too was to almost make again ken and barbie like they were ken and barbie Mm -hmm. and then you have cliff who is just complete opposite you know so Mm -hmm. i i get what they were doing they were doing what it we were cringed out and he had to go so that one he did have to go because cliff wrote her song you're just what I need. <laughs> so Torrent is today is the day of the vote. Is that right. how cheerleader head cheerleaders are elected? Is the other cheerleaders vote for them? Also, where are the grown-ups in this movie? Like we see Torrance's parents very briefly, and mostly well, only when Torrance needs something. Jackie, did we not grow up in the same era? It but is, but there weren't even teachers around. That's extra there money. Were... We don't care about them building any. What what teacher? Shouldn't there be a coach, <laughs> a cheer coach, a grown up? Someone got broke their fucking leg, and no grown ups around. You know you're right, <laughs> but also it's all right. <laughs> So anyway, Aaron does not stick around for the vote. We get a very gratuitous PG-13 locker room scene where all the girls are in their bras and panties. For no reason. No reason. To hand the votes in. No reason except some nasty executive said there has to be, if you want this $11 million, there has to be some half nakedness you know 
it's really funny because they were really fighting about the PG-13 rating versus the R rating. And so mm-hmm. there was things that had to be like cut and stuff like that. But no one seemed to have a problem with them being half naked. And, you know, Kirsten Dunst was 16 when she was filming this. Yes. But nobody had a problem with that. Gross. Boo. Mm-hmm. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like when you see some of the interviews and even the way that they talk about the movie, like go back and watch some of the stuff on YouTube. It's cringy how they talk about the cheerleaders in the movie. Like even the announcer at the end of the movie is talking about how hot the cheerleaders, they're supposed to be in high school. There were a lot of things. Okay, there were quite a few uses of slurs yes that for, for gay people and then there was the casual 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 insertion of sexual assault repetitive sexual assault by one of the male cheerleaders yeah. to the female cheerleader which they go so far as to show and the only reason they didn't get an R rating is because they don't show him smelling his finger afterwards. Yeah. Not great. Horrified. And as I'm going back and watching these movies, so, like, as I was watching, I'm like, that can't insinuate that he was, like, shoving his finger up. Like, that. Even, like, my not fully molded mind was, like, surely that can't but have been the implication that they were going for in this scene. It sure fucking was. And a woman wrote this. Oh, yeah. Jan literally sexual assaults Courtney in the movie, and we just are okay with it because it's the 2000s. The 2000s. Yeah. It's not looking good. (laughs) (laughs) And from what this movie does to bring, like you said, cultural appropriation in a very digestible way to understand it. And it was so forward thinking in that sense. But then we got these sexual assault scenes and we got the derogatory slurs for gay people it was two steps forward in the sense that we had almost pretty much one of the main characters i would mm-hmm. say who was gay yep and he says so mm-hmm. it's um, on a, a boy at finals right which is coded there's a lot of codedness yes. in this and i get it because it had to be pg pg-13 for it to make the money Mm-hmm. that it needed to make it could not have been rated r it wouldn't have made it it wouldn't have had legs if teenage kids couldn't see this movie so he can outwardly say i'm attracted to boys i want to date this boy or hit on the boy like cliff and and torrance were obviously hitting right. on one another yet we could verbally attack the straight people and call them gay slurs that was okay Mm -hmm. but someone just being out and authentically themselves not okay right 
So there's a there's a lot of balance in this movie, right? There's so much thing, so many things that were, I hate to even say ahead of its time, but it was mm-hmm. because other people weren't doing it. And then there's two, you know, it's two steps forward, two steps back. You know, we had gay representation in the movie, mm-hmm. um, but we had a lot of gay slurs. We had a lot of derogatory statements about lesbians and jokes about lesbians. We had the F word thrown out every 10 seconds whenever mm-hmm. we got a chance. And the D word. Yes, the D word. And then when I look at the Clovers and what they went through. So Gabrielle Union, like I said, had a lot to do with the character and she changed a lot of the script or the verbiage that her character was saying. But she also still played a very stereotypical version of the strong Black woman. Mm-hmm. Right? Very cold. Uh, very, I think they called her like lawyer-esque. Yeah, like not uh, just very strong Black woman mm-hmm. kind of situation. And then there are terms where the girls are like you know they'll say that she's scary they're scared of her I think at the first competition regionals two of the characters are like smiling at her and she kind of does like a side eye to them a raised eyebrow yeah yeah but it's almost like what do you expect right you don't apologize properly I mean Torrance does but the whole team really doesn't. And and then you steal from this group for more than six years, right? And then the expectation, now that you've decided to do the right thing, essentially, because let's be honest, all of them should have been questioning all that shit. Yeah. But... So the fact, like, okay, and I didn't notice it, my Y2K self, totally went over my head because I hadn't had the experience of step teams yet. Mm -hmm. But the birds cold in here is a step routine. Like, come on now. Who are we fooling? Yeah. (laughs) And she she says it in the movie. She said, I know y'all didn't think a white bitch made that up. Yeah. She says it. Yeah. Y'all can't be be fucking for real right now. Yeah. Because that is so much a part of Black culture, like the step teams, the cheers. And I really like that the team, because they had actors on the Clovers and on the Toros, but they also had like actual cheerleading teams that were in the, in, in the, a part of their team as the Clovers. And one of them was like third nationally ranked or something like that, which was great because I remember watching those ESPN competitions and you see it in every sport, every kind of situation where things that are done by Black people or other ethnic and racial groups, and they're not considered to be on par or to be, you know, there's all this like classically trained and stuff like that. When you think about the barriers to gymnastics, first and foremost like that is not a sport that is 
usually open to people of color. It's just not because there's a a price barrier. Mm-hmm. There, there's just so many like, and the parent has to be so involved, especially if you really want to take it seriously for middle class or lower income families. That is just like not possible, right? Yeah. Same thing for cheerleading. There's a lot of tor- tournaments. You have to get trained. There's a lot of cost to it. And so when you go to these competitions, the rules, right? The things that will make you deemed as top competitors is like a lot of flips, a lot of, you know, athlete, obviously the athleticism, but, you know, when some of these black schools started to go and they're playing <laughs> 90s hip hop, 90s booty music integrated into their songs and their routines and they're doing full on dance routines but maybe don't have a lot of the same skill sets and the stunts and stuff it was just like it was really hard to see them get to a higher level and and winning those competitions in, in the same way and so it was almost like you were seeing as most things two separate kind of environments happening Mm -hmm. you were you were having step teams you were having black competitions happening and then you would see like the ESPN things and not as a black person that wasn't resonating with me the Mm -hmm. music wasn't (laughs) resonating with me the moves were very stiff like it just wasn't something that I was like okay so I always do like the end of this movie when they end up white people go and find white people stuff, you know, because <laughs> y'all y'all got culture somewhere. Mm, There's some stuff like a macaroni salad. Oh, I don't. Who made this? Who made the potato salad, Jackie? <laughs> I ain't eating it. Who made that's, it? That's why I didn't say potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> macaroni salad homemade uh, ice cream that could be ours my grandpa used to make homemade ice cream every fourth of july black people had to make homemade ice cream eventually because they weren't allowed to have vanilla ice cream but that's a whole nother whole nother subject oh yeah oh yeah right here in america why weren't you racism because white people be doing the stupidest shit y'all negroes can't have no white ice cream jesus (laughs) fucking christ that's why butter pecan was created that's why black people and island people they live by that fucking butter pecan i hate that ice cream (laughs) it's a it's a it's an ice cream of freedom but it's also an ice cream of racism and i don't i don't like it It i apologize that i inadvertently brought up a very racist uh, (laughs) dessert that my grandpa used to make i mean which grandpa was it peanut butter twin oh well he he didn't have no no malicious nothing in his heart he made chocolate too there was chocolate and vanilla he just made homemade ice cream he liked a swirl (laughs) that's fine How do we get to ice cream? <laughs> Racism. <laughs> it's in everything. It really, really is. It's so tragic. But so yeah, what 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 them girls doing now? <laughs> so Torrance wins. She immediately is like, we're gonna do the hardest stunt possible in cheerleading, which is called the wolf wall. Carver is to cradle out. Carver is a hot fucking mess and does not cradle out. <laughs> 
Carver. You know, she didn't. She wasn't in the movie for long. She wasn't, but, but she, she left, left an impression. She did, especially at the end when she has her crutches, and you're like, "Oh, that's right. How Carver? <laughs> how's she doing?" I just love how she's on a stretcher. She's like, "It's okay, guys. It's just a scratch. I'll be back tomorrow. Don't you worry about me." And then the next scene, they're like, "Yeah, she's not gonna be better till like March." So. Also, they like give they like keep making fun of her like, or why does Carver get to work not come to school? She yeah. had like so what she broke like all the bones in her body. So Winnie and Courtney are the mean girls that like I love them in this movie because <laughs> they're just they don't give a shit. They are equal opportunity haters. <laughs> They don't care who you are, where you come from, if you're injured and can't fucking walk. Right. Like, they're going to fucking roast you. But they're, so their mean girl antics, I feel, are the level of which I was, like, I would defend them versus Big Red. Yes. Who is the devil. Yeah. Name's Big Red for a reason. And she had some, uh, uh, she had some cojones on her. <laughs> she really did. But now they have to find a a new person for the mm-hmm. team. So they're having auditions, which I'm surprised they don't have like an alternate or somebody, you know. And you would think it's the beginning. The timeline of this movie is very confusing for me. Because <laughs> it's the beginning of the year. They say Carver's going to be out for three months. But they also say that she's going to be out till March, which would be be like January or the end of December. And then Jesse and Missy show up. And then shouldn't you just have tryouts in general every year for cheerleading? Like, surely you have to replace more than. Well, I think one they probably. Person. Here's a bug in here. They probably do it before cheer camp. So they probably do it. Summer, maybe like yeah over the summer after school ends incoming freshman whatever they have tryouts then because you have to go to cheer camp over the summer to learn the routines and get ready and train tell us what happened at cheer camp to torrens (laughs) so big red being the asshole she is she so at cheer camp there's a bunch of different cheerleaders from different schools that come out and there's this thing called a spirit stick a bejeweled stick it's a piece of wood painted with jewels glued to it i've I've, they make it work so big red dares torrents to drop the spirit stick which is like a huge no-no like there's a a myth essentially that says if you drop the spirit stick you're stick you're gonna have bad luck forever or something like that so Torrance says okay she goes up to go take a picture of another team and then she's like why don't you pose with the spirit stick of course it's a fun little slow motion situation happening and then she drops it and then the girls are like everyone's like gasping what the (laughs) hell and then you see fucking big red laughing her ass off yep and Torrance is now mortified because now that Carver has fallen to her near death. She's like thinking, okay, the the things are bad. Yeah. Maybe I'm the cursed. spirits I'm cursed. 
so they have the tryouts. So what I love about this scene is I try I'm, I try to think about any other movies that had similar tryout scenes like this, but I think Bring It On kind of does it first because I know yeah. Pitch Perfect does it similar. Yeah. We get a whole plethora of interesting characters. We get a mime played by Peyton Reed, the director. Yes. The girl who is in booty shorts and does a full-on twat dance in front of the twat dance, Danielle. (laughs) I saw her twat. (laughs) You did not. I did. That's what I was questioning. That, That was full twat. (laughs) <laughs> well warrant charged forty thousand dollars to use cherry pie for that segment <laughs> and i'm just like peyton and peyton reed was like when they had they had a certain budget for the music mm-hmm. and when he found out warrant was going to charge that he's like okay we'll make it work we'll just do all these other things to like get that to work and i'm just like that clip was a blink and you'll miss it of that song why was that so important and i feel like it was way more drawn out than it needed to be probably because they paid so much for it the way that that bitch had flip-flops on and she kicks them off and gets on top of the table and it's twats up let's do this And I was just like, I think out of all the things that after rewatching it in recent, you know, for this episode, I think that was probably the most egregious thing that caught. I was like, wait a minute, Jesus! <laughs> that so was in, ter- right. in, in in addition to twats up, we have <laughs> the ballet man, which one of my favorite like little subtle things that happens in this movie is less the gay cheerleader is watching this ballerina man. And when the guy finishes, he goes, Ooh, (laughs) and I love his reaction to it. He's very, he's very, I love how it was equal. Like he got a little thrill. Yeah. And what's the other, and Jan got his twat up. So (laughs) he falls back in his chair. Oh gosh. And then we also get Whitney's little sister, Jamie, who Courtney and Whitney are like, she doesn't talk back. Like she knows all the cheers already. She's tiny. So we can toss her like shoe in. Let's go. Why are we even but discussing But Jan this? was so disgusting. Like this girl, she's just a freshman. She is, she's a young child. Yeah. And Jan is like making innuendos that she's going to go down and just like it's insinuating she's easy like all these like yeah. horrible things yes. they should have had her on the team to learn like it seemed like everybody on that team might have been seniors or something yeah you're gonna need a whole new squad next year <laughs> right better start planning now and then walks in missy with her wallet chain and are those dreads? What is happening? It's faux dreads. I was not feeling that look. It was attempt to make her look more, I, I'm assuming more like hard without like 
dyeing her hair a crazy color, cutting it in a crazy fashion. Hmm. So they gave her a faux ethnic hairstyle. Yeah, it was not to uh, to make her otherized. Yes. Mm. And then they also she comes in and she has a barbed wire tattoo on her arm and they make a, a comment that tattoos are verboten uh, verboten except for jan has a visible tattoo <laughs> the, jan didn't say it though it was courtney and whitney they were up her ass as soon as they saw her they were like oh hell no but she, it was just a doodle it wasn't a real tattoo the funny thing is they were the most aggressive to the person that seemed like they potentially could have actually done something yeah instead of the other idiots that came that they I were just they were, like they were holding a grudge because they thought Jamie was the shoe in and then in comes this girl that can do all the flippies in the world and they're like fuck <laughs> so they okay they said that they didn't get any like stunt doubles doing mm-hmm. this but there's I can Eliza Eliza could do a spit split but I did I don't think she was doing those backflips no because Every scene of her finishing the flip is like this. (laughs) I will say there is a lot of angles in this movie. Like Gabrielle Union, apparently she had a hard time with some of the moves. Mm -hmm. So one of the girls from Black called her out in the oral history and was just like, yeah, there were a lot of above... (laughs) the hip like just do the arm motions right yeah (laughs) (laughs) i said damn not you gabby not you Mm. she is vastly more talented than most people so i mean if if she can't hit the cheerleading that's okay gabrielle you got other strings it wasn't the cheerleading it was the dancing and the step i'm just saying I, I, I'm I'm just giving I'm just telling you what I heard, <laughs> what I read with these eyes. <laughs> so obviously Missy gets the spot because she can do flippies for days. But prior to tryouts, we meet Cliff. He is in one one of Torrance's classes, and he comes in with his alternative vibe. He's played by Jesse Bradford. We did Hackers earlier this year. He is the predecessor. He is part of the blueprint that was Seth Cohen and yep. Dan Lonely Boy in Gossip Girl. Yep. That's it. That's that's what Jess, Jess from Gilmore Girls as well. That he is the, the blueprint. Honestly, I can't think of another person that came before him and that fit that I like to read, but I'm also like alternative, alternative. and moody. Yeah. Yeah. And I wear Converse. And I'm sarcastic. Yeah. To cover my insecurities. And I'm I'm also going after the extremely hot girl that I should not, I should not be able to get. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, back to tryouts. Whitney and Courtney try and like steamroll torrents. Right. And they're like, oh, we've already decided it's Jamie. Everyone decided we're good. And then Torrance is like, no, Missy, if we want to be the best, we need to have the best on the team. And then she says, Missy's the poo, take a big whiff. (laughs) 
They, they she also says does she say the cheerocracy line in this one too yes. in this scene this is yeah. not a democracy this is a cheerocracy and i make the final choice yeah they did a lot of these things in this movie and <clears throat> i feel like it it's a part of the lexicon of american culture now because I can think of different TV shows and movies that kind of do the same stupid shit. Yeah, they do a lot of the, like, put the... She put the itch or bit... I don't know. Yeah, like like there was a lot of that going on, too. (laughs) Now, Um, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, now that they're going to show Missy the routines. Mm -hmm. So, Torrance shows up at Missy's house, and lo and behold, Cliff is Missy's brother. (laughs) <laughs> Jesse's kind of like my sister cheerleader like she's a gymnast she she got attitude like she's she's no cheerleader and then Missy's like oh serious seriously bro watch me <laughs> my question always I was always confused by this even when the movie came out that I'm like are they twins like what is the age difference here but he does say something later where he's like, he told his mom, he sh- he's like, oh, I knew I should have asked for a brother or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wanted a little brother. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, then Missy must be an underclassman then mm-hmm. or something, or at least they're Irish twins or something like that. Yeah. And and then after this, this is when they have practice, and this is when yes. Missy sees the routine they do. The bird, it's cold out here, and Missy's like, "Fuck this shit, y'all, y'all are thieves, yes. thieves in the night." And so Torrance catches, says that you know what the hell, and she storms out trying to act like she's about to do something to Missy. Missy tells her to get in the car and Torrance is scared at first but she's like no get in the car and now here's my question to you Jackie how far is San Diego to Los Angeles area San Diego to Compton yes because they just driving up and down the coast what two hours yeah that's crazy so they go to East Compton High because Missy wants to show her the clovers to see like and and this is when Torrance's entire life is turned upside down because she realizes that every her whole entire cheerleading career has been a lie. Yep. And and Isis is the new cheer captain and she comes out and she calls them on it like Y'all have been stealing our shit for for years. Like, it's not going to happen this year. Do your own shit. Give me the tape that you were recording. And then Torrance is like, we don't have a tape. What are you talking about? And she's like, the redhead that's always here recording. Like, I know you're with her. Like, give me that tape. And they're like, we don't have anything. We're really sorry. And so Isis is like, yeah, like, stop stealing our shit. Honestly, like, my first thought has always been like how how are you letting this person come in with a videotape knowing that they're stealing mm-hmm. and you're not beating her ass 
or blocking her from being able to come onto the school premises. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, uh, there's two lines in this scene that I really love. One the of touched the other, by an angel one, because that's my favorite. No, I actually didn't write that one down. It's, oh, what's her name? Janelope says, let me beat these Buffies down. Yeah, that line was added because of obviously Eliza being on Buffy. At the end of the conversation, Torrent says, I had no idea. And Isis is like, now you do. Like, she was lucky that she was breathing after that. (laughs) But that Buffy line makes me laugh because... Eliza plays Faith on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then Courtney plays in season six. Mm -hmm. She plays the big bad of Glory. Whitney plays a character, I believe, like one of the mean girls on an episode as well. Trying to think who else. I feel like there's a few, just a few people in this movie who were just on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And that high school that they film at looks familiar too. And I didn't know which, like if it was in another movie, did it seem familiar to you as well? The high school? Mm-hmm. Slightly. Okay, well, <laughs> continue. <clears throat> also to note, In 2001, my parents bought me a Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) And so after owning the Beetle and then watching this movie, I noticed there is a continuity error that is seldom talked about because it's so niche that no (laughs) one would notice except for me. When they're driving in the Beetle, it's obviously on a dolly because when you drive a Volkswagen, a 2001 Volkswagen Beetle, the doors auto lock at 15 miles per hour and the doors were unlocked the whole time. <laughs> that is very niche. Yes. But <laughs> I notice it every fucking time I'm waiting for that scene. So I'm going to be like, oh, yep, them door locks are open. <laughs> <laughs> they all decide that they're going to use the stolen routines. Like Torrance, Missy's mad about it, but she. They're all deciding now they know and they're going to go with it. It's not until after they go to, they have the football game that the Clovers come to the football game. And this is where you're seeing the dynamic of the fact that the cheerleaders are the show at these football games because their football team sucks. Mm -hmm. And they even have like a cheer off with one of the, you know, the competitor cheerleading squad. And as they're about to do their little routines, here comes the Clovers, which I like that they came because this is accountability. You said you were not going to be, you know, using our our cheers anymore. And as we knew it, you are still using our cheers. And the scene behind Jackie, if you see the video, is of the Clovers coming to literally do their routine in front of the the girls I'm not the girls in front of the team without like their backs are turned to them so they know the routine and the entire audience is like what the fuck is happening right now and And that embarrassment is what causes them to say we and they also change the the words yeah and call them out 
It says, it says, they say, you try to steal our bit, but you look like shit, but we're the ones who are down with it. And then the Toros are just like, fuck. <laughs> I, what I also love is there are little moments about this movie that just, to me, feel just so unreal because now we're having this inclusivity conversation and a lot of, you know, Black creators keep saying it's not enough to have Black people in front of the screen, right? Like, because if you only have Black people in front of the screen, but you're not having like a Black writer, then you're going to have inauthentic convert, you know, scripts and communications happening. It just doesn't, it doesn't match. So the fact that Gabrielle was given agency to be able to change the lines and, and, and really figure out how to make this character was one thing. The fact that they had one choreographer from a cheerleading perspective, but also for the Toros, and then Hi-Hat was brought in to do the cheerleading, the, the dance numbers and everything for the Clovers, which is really, really important from an authenticity standpoint, because if they had done this movie and made the, the style to be very similar mm-hmm. to the like typical white cheerleading, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have resonated in the same way. So I like that they were able to, to add that, that layer. Yes. And then also in this, while the Toros are cheerleading, Torrance is kind of smiling at Cliff and giving her, him googly eyes and Courtney and Whitney call her out and say that she was having cheer sex with him and she's cheating on Aaron so after they get called out and she spends the night at Missy's mm-hmm. and this is where, did you say the toothpaste brushing scene or whatever? Not yet. So, well, first Torrance is going to go brush her teeth, but she walks by Cliff's room and he's like rocking out on his guitar mm. and Torrance is enamored with his skills question mark. She just, I think she just likes how he is just being himself and doesn't care. Yeah. And he is pretty funny in this moment. And then Missy does catch her and she's like, oh, I couldn't find the bathroom. She's like, it's almost like you literally walk past it, you know? And the brushing of the teeth scene, it was funny because when Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Bradford were interviewed about it they were like there was nothing in the script about this it was like very small notes essentially Mm -hmm. but the two of them kind of ad-libbed and did it made this sexual tension thing happening to me I was about to gag because you know I'm not about the spitting and the stuff I was like oh this is not sexy to me well and it was the last scene they shot as well so I think there was a comfort level with them my question to you Hmm. who spits that much while brushing their teeth Like, they each spit, like, three or four times. I mean, I spit, I because, you know, I have the timer on my electric toothbrush, mm-hmm. so I have to do 30 sec- seconds inside, like, the teeth, then the outside, another yeah. 30 seconds. So after a while, I, I am spitting a little bit more than 
ones. Like I brush and then I spit. <laughs> like I don't understand. I, don't, I, don't, I have a lot of saliva in my. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem. So yeah, it is a lot of spit and <laughs> it's aggressive. And Kirsten said that she felt like Jesse was very aggressive with his brushing. He said that it hurt. And she was like, yeah, you were being very aggressive (laughs) with your brushing. (laughs) And then Missy does ask Torrens, are you into my brother? And Torrens responds with the blanket. I have a boyfriend. And the way that Missy asked. I was never sure if she was okay like with it or yeah. if she was upset by it. It seemed so. like she was upset by it, but then like I guess she quickly gets over it because she's the one that encourages them to get together in the end. Yeah, it's it's weird. But it might have been protectiveness because she knows that Torrance has a boyfriend and mm-hmm. as much as her brother gets on her nerves, she doesn't want those two worlds to co- collide essentially. So. Yeah. So this is when Torrance finally gets a hold of Aaron. He gives the name of a choreographer, Sparky Pulastri. Who would ever trust anyone named Sparky Pulastri to begin with? Torrance is not too bright about stuff. And she's very scared about being a leader. She's not trusting her instincts. And she relies on Aaron and trusts him. At this point in the storyline. And story she line. shouldn't because he has a girl in his bed. As, as he's, he's talk- saying, yeah. Yeah, as he's talking on the phone with Torrance. So they find out that Sparky is going to cost $2,000. They asked Darcy if her dad will give them the money. She said he's probably good for like 500 bucks. So they decide to have a car wash, another gratuitous scene with teenage girls in bikinis. I just was like... Y'all are gonna make a thousand dollars off of washing cars. Fifteen hundred is what they need. Okay, how much were those car washes? I don't know. And the the range of cars there, they all seem like vintage. <laughs> yes, cars. Yeah, was... I didn't see like a Civic or a minivan. <laughs> it looked like I drove up to the fifties diner. Yes. essentially. Yeah, that was weird. And Cliff comes with his car and it looks like he went off-roading or something just filled with dirt. Yeah. I do like this scene because his sister comes up, she's wearing a bikini and he's like, oh, my eyes. And <laughs> and she, she's like, my brother came to look at your goodies to Torrance and yeah. Torrance is like covering her chest as she's folding her arms or whatever. But yeah. they're so, all vibing. Yeah. So we have raised the money now in walks Sparky. He is, I mean, the worst misogynist asshole ever. Fat phobic. There are so many layers to his disgustingness. And on top of it all, we find out he's a con man. He's hawking the same routine to any cheer team that will purchase it. The body issues in this movie are a lot. There's a lot yeah. in this movie. It It's very interesting to like take a step back now and be like, oh my God, no wonder we're all fucked up. Like it was in everything. And all the girls in this movie are just painfully thin. Yeah. 
so the fact, the fact that Gabrielle Union can still fit into her Clover's uniform is love it amazing we do get spirit fingers though yeah we'll ever be in our lexicon forevermore <laughs> so after they learn this routine yes. then they go to regionals and well prior prior to regionals everyone's kind of mad at Torrance because it, they know that this routine is janky um, <laughs> and so she's sad and Missy and Cliff have I I I've always just assumed it was for Missy's gymnastics, but it's like this giant, giant jungle gym that just has a swing and then like the rings to do flippies. It's not staked down because when Torrance goes and sits down, like the side lifts up, I was like, that's (laughs) not safe at all. But Torrance is kind of like sad and she's waiting for Missy to come out so that they can go to regionals. And Cliff shows up and he's like, what's wrong? And he's talking her through it. And he does say some really sweet words of encouragement. And he tells her, I know you can do this. And they're almost about to kiss when Missy walks out. And so we have that little moment. And then we head to state regionals. I really love, (laughs) and it's really bad to say, the fight with Courtney and the little girl where she like calls her a whore. I just think it's so fucking funny because I think it, it goes into like a realm of ridiculousness. I just, I find and you it so believe, funny. you believe Courtney would be this dumb and, and petty. Yeah. And it's funny because the actress Claire Kramer and Nikki and well, Nicole, she they're like best friends in real life and they did an interview together and they were trying to see if they could remember the lines or whatever and they talk about the scene and Claire was like laughing because she's like Nicole you you legit had to hold me back from this child (laughs) like she got really into it and I was like oh I love that oh that's amazing and I love that that all the side characters just had moments to be able to shine. Like you just had little moments. People were kind of grouped together, but you know, Darcy was with one of the other girls and you had Courtney and Whitney, Whitney together, Jan and his friendship with Torrance and like everybody had a moment to shine. Yeah. Which I liked. And so then we also see like the classic crazy cheer mom, like you weren't looking, they did a flip and you weren't looking <laughs> to the judges, the clovers show up. And then we see Torrance starting to panic because they hear the music <laughs> for their routine. <laughs> and there's like nothing they could do about it. Yeah. And so when they perform, it's just like, it is what it is. But what I love in this scene is that you have Torrance's lame-ass boyfriend shows up and Cliff is sitting behind him. Mm-hmm. And so you see her in the kind of behind the curtains or whatever waiting to perform. And she's like freaking out. And they're both waving and blowing. Her boyfriend blows a kiss. So like Cliff thinks that she's waving at him. Cliff thinks mm-hmm. that she's blowing him a kiss 
And then when the team comes up on the stage to perform, the two of them are there like on their feet. They're <laughs> they're like ready to cheer her on. And as soon as they like recognize that this is not this is the same exact routine from the the team that the same routine from the team before mm-hmm. that the way that they both slowly kind of just sit down in embarrassment like they don't want to be associated with them <laughs> like they're kind of looking around like <laughs> and so like after this immediately one of the officials pulls Torrance to the side and it's just you could hear kind of in the conversation it's just like that there this guy is a charlatan and they've never had the situation happen before so they're trying to like figure out what to do about it obviously getting a choreographer is frowned upon but th- there's no precedent so like he's talking to her and as he's talking to her cliff is just google google eyes over torrance and he's like talking to missy and he's like going to go over to torrance and missy's like yeah I don't think it's a good time, right? He's like, no, no, we're cool. And when he yells out to Torrance, she's like, read the room. I was confused that he didn't wait for Torrance at the, like the competition and try to like talk to her then. But I guess that wouldn't have made for the tension because what's that boy's name? Aaron. Aaron drives her home in the most 90s, 2000s car ever. What is it? A track? What are those cars called? It's like an SUV. It's the same cars that I believe. I think it's the same cars that the Power Rangers were driving in the TV show. Just going to put it out there. And they all had colors to match their... Geo Tracker. There you go. Mm-hmm. Classic. So um... he's whip- whipping it around with Torrance, dropping her off. Or something I was going to say. Oh, Big Red also shows up at the competition and she's right. like, you fucked it up. Like I handed you another championship on a silver platter and Torrance calls her out on stealing the cheers and she don't care. She doesn't care to the fact, to the point where she was just like, I borrowed them. Like she won't even acknowledge like, yeah, I directly stole someone else's creative yeah, she- property. She's like, it's known. Everybody does it. That's that's her thought process. Everyone does it. It's not a big deal. There's no real repercussions whatsoever. So she's pretty pissed about that. And so when Torrance is being, what happened? Oh, just after Big Red like gets on to Torrance and she leaves, or uh, Torrance storms off, Harry turns to Big Red and he goes, uh-uh. well she the funny thing is that like he had all the smoke for her doing that stupid shit but when he tried to interject earlier she like tore him to pieces yeah she didn't give him a chance to even speak and this is how i know she's a massively bigger bitch than courtney and whitney (laughs) could ever be because Um, she also has like some smarts about her yeah she yeah she's very conniving about Mm. it the other thing i wanted to note about the routine so it's just (sighs) there's slight slander about to happen so i just i i don't get what the hype is with kristen duns i just don't kirsten duns yeah Mm -hmm. 
I don't think like half of this stuff she like half of her lines sounded like almost like she was saying them to like record them for a like a cartoon or something I don't know it would it they just felt off to me and then she's not graceful and she's not like her moves are not sexy <laughs> it's a lot of elbows and a lot of angles that's all I see sorry well you know you can't say in this movie she looked sexy at all or was graceful or had like rhythm with her moves she was hitting her marks but that was about it she if technically I'm, it was good if i'm gonna keep it a hundred there are a million white women in movies in the industry that are told to be in media that i'm supposed to deem this person to be beautiful and hot a lot yeah so i'm so used to that that i'm just like yeah of course not like you saying this <laughs> is not anything to me it's just like oh yeah of course didn't you know like you know what i mean i yeah, just but like I, thinking back to like our guy friends who would like fawn over Kirsten mm -hmm. Dunst in the early 2000s. It was just like, what? She got good boobs. I'll give her that. But other than that, I. She, this is what I'm telling you that this is, this is what the machine the machine does. And this is what so many like women of color to be in these spaces or in these movies you have to be like drop dead gorgeous mm -hmm. right and even still we play second fiddle to mediocre white women yeah because even at the end the hey mickey scene you see even eliza who i i love eliza dushku mm -hmm. uh, but like if you compare her dancing and Kirsten's dancing to Gabrielle's dancing in the end scene, there's no fucking like comparison whatsoever. Like Gabrielle's got the rhythm and the sex appeal. She got it all. And then they're over here just dancing. And again, this is, this is, this is the world, you know, and I don't want the Swifties to come after me, okay? Y'all <laughs> just chill the fuck out. But this is what we're this is what this movie's about. There's not it's not an equal playing field, mm -hmm. right? You're you're able to win championships, you're able to get clout, you're able to get money, recognition for mediocre mediocrity. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. You know. The 1990s. My very favorite decade, especially for music. 
This is Dope Nostalgia, and I'm your host, Naomi Carmack. And every week, we revisit the era that brought us Hammer Pants, Crystal Pepsi, Pogs, Hypercolor, Pokemon, and some of the greatest songs of all time. On Dope Nostalgia, not only do I have episodes where I talk about the big artists of the 90s with friends, but sometimes those big artists come on the show. Past guests include Naughty by Nature, George Lamont, Alana Miles, Color Me Bad, Biff Naked, Ed the Sock, Shakespeare's Sister, Two Unlimited, The Funky Bunch, Technotronic, Rosala, Tara Kemp, Mr. Big, Honeymoon Sweet, Right Said Fred, and so many more. You can always leave us a voicemail and tell us what you think, and we'll play it on the show. 780-851-8785. Dope Nostalgia, a podcast made for 90s kids like me. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are served. Yes. So uh, Torrance arrives home, like you were saying, Aaron drops her off, makes like this grody like move on her and is like trying to make out with her hardcore. And she she seems a little confused. She gets out of the car and Cliff, unfortunately, has been weeding for her with flowers in a mixtape. The way we used to show love. Yes. But he has witnessed this making out and is very upset and so he leaves torrance listens to the tape and it has music on it but it also has a song that cliff wrote for her that has a catchy beat and so torrance is compelled to do a weird dance on her bed <laughs> again not graceful i'm just like what's happening here yeah mm-hmm. So, like I said, Aaron had called Courtney and Whitney to tell them that Torrance was going to give up the captain position. And so they're like, we're just going to forego finals and we'll. Sorry. Get our shit together for next year. And Torrance is like, no, the only one who can resign from being captain is the captain. And I'm not going anywhere. We're going to fucking fix this. I have a plan and it's going to take a lot of work and dedication, but we can do this and it'll be all our own. Yeah. She's, she said, we're going to take inspiration from other movies, different things and try to make our own routine. I think after this, because Courtney and Whitney are pissed, yeah. but they're outvoted at this point after just being ultimately utterly humiliated. But after this, I think this is when she tries to find Cliff in the hallway to apologize. And he now has a CD. I was like, why did he make a mixtape and not a mix CD? A question. Now. When he got, he lives in that giant house. And he has electric guitars and shit. So it's not even like, oh, he had to keep it low budge because that's all he could afford. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had the equipment to make burn CDs at that point. My other question was, on the tape that he plays, he's I, is he singing that song supposedly? Like, yes. So who's playing the drums and all the other stuff? He's in a band. He laid all the tracks down, Danielle. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mark Ronson. (laughs) So Torrance shows up at Aaron's dorm. He kind of only like 
cracks it open like this much and he's like talking to her and she's like you sold me out to Courtney and Whitney like what the fuck dude you're not really boyfriend material peace out and then she like pushes the door open and sees the other girl in there she's like yeah that's what I that girl looks so old she's an actual NFL cheerleader she look old That's all. That's all I took from that moment. It's when I was like, damn, what? How old is this bitch? Is that a teacher? I was confused. <laughs> so then the only we get teacher in the movie. Right. <laughs> and then after this, Torrance and the team, you see like a montage of them, you know, putting their routine together. And you see Cliff watching longingly sad from the inside of the house the, the yeah moves. Do, 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 do. yeah <laughs> and then like the the hip thrusts yeah <laughs> and then i believe it's missy that tells torrance the clovers aren't going to finals they couldn't raise the money to go and so torrance is like if we want to be the best we need to be the best the clovers have to be there she like hounds her dad for his his company to sponsor the clovers she gets a check and when she goes down there the clovers are composing a letter to paulette yeah it's a a talk show host that came from their neighborhood now there's a lot of layers about this whole situation because it's definitely what giving white guilt yeah and i kind of feel like instead of savior white savior yeah And instead of just maybe going and saying, I saw that you couldn't, that you didn't get in. What, is there anything I can do to help? You know, also like she could have donated it anonymously instead of, you know, or just had the company give it to them without her being a part of being the savior and trying to alleviate her guilt. Mm -hmm. I, I do like that they don't take the money from her dad and whatever because it shows them being independent and not wanting to take shit from people who've stolen from me. Yeah. Essentially, you know? Yeah, so Isis right, rips up the check and like throws it at Torrance <laughs> and is like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. So they send their letter to Paulette and it's, giving day on the Paulette show. And so she reads the letter and gifts the Clovers the money to go to finals. And so Torrance at this point goes and talks to Cliff, tells him she broke up with Aaron and says, and and tells Cliff, he didn't believe in me like you did. And That makes all the difference in the world. Cliff is still kind of giving her the cold shoulder. And so after Torrance leaves, Missy's like, what the fuck, bro? Like, she she likes you. She broke up her with her boyfriend to be with you. Stop being stupid and petty. Well, you had to be <laughs> in his feelings about it. But after this, they head to Nationals. Nationals 2000 in Daytona, Florida. Sounds about right. Go ahead. No, they're all at the hotel. 
I do like Missy screaming outside because the girls, there's another team practicing, practicing. I think there was a first round though. Like I think they did like a performance first, but you don't really see it. Just kind of see people going through the motions. You see a lot of weird stuff happening, like a girl bust her nose right up. She's missing falling. She's missing teeth. Right, right, right. And then there's the other girl that vomits because she's so nervous. Yeah. I I love how movies, there's just like this exorcism, just level of, right. Like I've never in my life seen anybody throw up that much volume of of liquid in in that trajectory ever. We also get a scene where when the Clover's uh, when Isis and, and Torrance first see each other at finals, Torrance was like, hey, make sure you stay in the mat. Like, they're going to be watching for that, and that's points off. And so Isis just like, and tell your girl Casey, she's like two seconds behind every step. And so it's kind of like this mutual respect I, towards one And another. I hate it. And I hate every it, minute of it. Yeah. Like now as a, an adult, the Clovers owe them absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it's always the responsibility of the oppressed to show grace and to be kind and to act like you weren't fucked over royally and not like the fact that Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union could not say like, she needs to be angry because then it would be coming off as angry black woman. And that wasn't going to be digestible to a white audience because at the end of the day, as marginalized people, we're not allowed to have feelings. First of all, we're looked at not probably even having feelings and we're not allowed to express them in a healthy way without people are like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, it's always kind of like we have to swallow that. And so looking back at the movie now, when I was younger, I just thought it was nice, you know, kumbaya. But it's it's one of those situations where it makes white people comfortable and okay. I do appreciate that the Clovers win at the end because that's the only thing that would have made sense to me. Mm-hmm. But just this whole like fact that they're supposed to be cool or she's supposed to take the high road um and she talks always, about this now she's like i should have never taken the high road i when she, when they won she said congrats she's like she's like you guys were the best and she should have said i know yeah you know well she did she said she said that and just just the way that the interaction happened was still like kind of nice and kind and it, it's just like that girl had way too many times to talk to her I took this interaction whereas like when when Torrance went to give them the check Isis did say like you better bring it to nationals or finals because we we're gonna beat you and so I just viewed it as the Clovers know that they're the best and they want to beat the best. And so that's why it was like giving each other tips because they want to elevate themselves 
each other to the best they could possibly be so that there was no doubt who had the better routine. Right. Which is the whole idea, like, yes, that's all fine and good. But at the end of the day, you have a group who has stolen from you for six years consecutively. You finally are in a position of power on your team to kind of change the navigation of that and and get what's what has belonged to you essentially this whole time. And yes, it's not necessarily Torrance's fault per se, but Isis owes her nothing, conversation, quips, nothing, absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. And there are just so many tiny moments in this movie where one, she doesn't get to show how absolutely pissed off she is mm-hmm. that this is happening. Like the, the rest of her teammates show it, right? But she's got to be strong and 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 firm about it and then there's this whole we have mutual respect I don't fucking have any respect like but there's that layer is added for the comfortability comfortability for the white audience essentially Mm -hmm. because she's not allowed to have any of those feelings she's not allowed to say fuck you she's not allowed to ignore her you know here's this white woman who won't leave me alone (laughs) after finding out her team stole from me. And also you stole from me and then you said you weren't going to do it. And then you still decided to keep doing it. It wasn't until I confronted you and embarrassed you that you stopped. That off the bat would have told me that I don't trust Torrance. So I think it's great that the end it's all kumbaya but so much was taken from this team and we're still supposed to believe that this girl is supposed to have grace give her grace and be kind and then now they have camaraderie like what what where where is there any kind of what's the word that doesn't make any sense Mm mm-hmm to me and I get it it's a movie this movie went way farther than most movies would to address it but I I just don't find that to be 100% realistic but it's realistic in the sense that the weight comes on to the marginalized person to have mm-hmm. to make the other person comfortable or the audience who's watching the movie comfortable because if she was all those things this movie they would have called her a villain. They would have called her aggressive, no matter the fact that all these things happened to her right. and her team. So I look at it with a different lens now. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Just like, I'm sure when we do remember the Titans, I'm going to have a whole different view on it. Yep. <laughs> so. So where are we now? So the second day, so the, both teams have made it to the final finals. And so we get to see both of their routines. Clovers are better, obviously, but the Toros have stepped up their game. Yeah, they did. They did really good. I thought their routine was good. Yeah. Yeah. Second place. Good. Like on par to compete essentially with the Clovers. So the Clovers win and they get a check for 20 grand. And I'm like, that should have gone directly to that school. Yes, you won this with your own routine, 
but reparations wrong doings were happened like you no, should be paying back won the check oh so what did the second place get i don't think they got anything oh well, then that, that's fine <laughs> but what i was gonna say was i don't think 20 grand would even cover the travel expenses of going to that championship because if In you Florida. look they have like 15 members of the cheer team yeah so that's a little over a thousand dollars per person for travel, food, lodging, uniforms, all of that shit. I'm like, there's no way that 20 grand, they're even even at that point. But that's where the inequity goes, right? Because normally in these competitions, you have people who's who are like middle class upper class who have the money to pour into these they have sponsors they have all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff happening for it to even out and then be able to take that money and if you think about it Torrance's team has won this six times so they've gotten twenty thousand dollars each time they have enough money to keep going and traveling to this because they keep banking this money and they are from an affluent neighborhood. Their parents will pay for it. Yeah. And these are the barriers that happen that keep certain people out because, like you said, the math is not mathing, but it's not supposed to math. Yeah. But luckily, Paulette gifted them that money so they don't have to. It's just yeah. they can bank this $20,000 $20, yeah, to their fund. use it for next year. And now they have notoriety. They can say Start that they're the sponsorships and they're like the that. champions. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the close of the film, <clears throat> Isis does say to Torrance, "You guys were good." Torrance replies, "Thinks you were better," and Isis says, "Yeah, we were." So that's the that is bring it on. But then we get a whole music montage with bloopers to hey mickey where all of the cheerleaders are dancing and having a good time so yeah they said they'd like do not because they didn't have to like it wasn't choreographed they they had to learn the lines of the song but mm-hmm. they could have fun they could be loose with it and it was i think it was a a good way to kind of like end the movie yeah so let's okay. bring it on Woohoo, we did it. Happy birthday, Danielle. Yay. Where's your crown or your party hat? I wasn't. I know we're recording. It's not my birthday. It's actually my dad's birthday. So it's oh. been a rough day. <laughs> I I did the best I could to get through <laughs> You're good. for our audience. Friends. Yeah, my, my dad passed away. So the, today is his heavenly birthday and this is the kind of movie I could sit watch with him and he would just like call out all sorts of stuff and make fun of it (laughs) (laughs) he did not hold back his opinions strong strong opinions let's look at some of the factoids that we missed with the casting so Kirsten Dunst was she originally turned down the role of Torrance and she wasn't the the initial star was actually Marley Shelton. That was the original choice, not the, the our notes say second choice. They actually picked her. She was signed on to, to be in this. 
I don't know if she got she was signed on after they asked Kirsten and she said no but she was signed on the role of Torrance was hers but then they found out that she decided to star in the movie Sugar and Spice instead Gabrielle Union she also auditioned for Sugar and Spice but at the time they did not want to change one of the leads in that movie to a and make it a black character so she was kind of upset about that. So she ended up going in for this role for ISIS. Wow. So she was like, it's funny that the film that was dedicated mm-hmm. to diversity, the film that was dedicated to diversity ended up doing way better than the film that refused to have. Yeah. Like nobody, I mean, it's niche. People know, our our people know Sugar yeah. and Spice, but it's not one of those movies that, if I said to like my grandpa, he wouldn't know what that is. Yeah. Also, he's dead. So, <laughs> way to bring up the movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they auditioned 300 people for the role of Cliff, and then the executive producer, Max Wong, this is fucking dirty, told Jesse Bradford <laughs> back during negotiations that if he agreed to do the movie, he'd give him a convertible. He lied. <laughs> Um, I'd be like, I believe you have my convertible. <laughs> they they really just wanted Jesse, but he wasn't convinced. So that's why they had the audition. But it's like he was still in their minds. But then he like read the script and he met with Peyton Reed. I, I mean, a lot of people in this movie, the actors were not gung ho about doing this movie. <laughs> they were just like, what is this? Why are you like to their agents? Like, why are you making me go read for this? Yeah. Even Eliza was like, I am not a cheerleader. I used to beat up cheerleaders when I was younger. <laughs> like, it's not my vibe. But they knew because of her playing Faith and Buffy that, you know, she'd be a really good contrast to Kirsten. And I think Peyton Reed kind of described it as the Veronica to her Betty. Again, the diverse. <laughs> the diversity in hair, hair colors color. yep we we had it all big red yep. brunettes Check. and blondes Check. they were doing it all and black girls yeah because you know black girls can't be brunette <laughs> can't <laughs> fucking can't what else we got the opening cheer in the movie almost got cut yeah the writer jessica was that's like the one the one really big thing she almost she fell on her sword for she's like if we don't do this we're not making this movie like we need this opening scene i'm sexy i'm cute i'm popular i'm popular to boo great hair wait the bo- some bitchin great hair hair the boys all want to stare who are we just guess the boy boys just want to something about our chest <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten Dunn's torrent shipment was shipment was based on Gwen Stefani and Bendinger had a picture of no of the no doubt front woman hanging over her desk while writing the script. She said that it wasn't just Torrance's character. It was just kind of like the vibe for all the girls that, you know, she wanted to showcase that this movie was like a sport and that these girls were powerful and like, I don't give a fuck. Just that, yeah, you, that whole you vibe. You didn't get had cheerleader or cheerleader vibes 
like typical yeah. cheerleader vibes from everyone. Everyone had a personality, had a quirk or an edge to them. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just like a generic cheerleading character. It makes me just wonder if cheerleaders in general, like the idea of them in our, you know, if the idea of cheerleaders in our worldview mm-hmm. is how they really are, or did like movies make them to be this kind of thing, you know, yeah. because I could just totally see it just girls wanting to do something, be in a, a sport, being a, a part of a group and have fun. And they are sexualized and <laughs> turned into like something, a whole different viewpoint not to say that there aren't bitches who are cheerleaders but yeah and like and it's weird because like obviously media has tainted our perception of cheerleaders to this warped version right right but I was friends with a cheerleader who was like alt she liked bugs and like like different things and like but she was a cheerleader, but my mind still always goes to this like blonde right. bimbo instead of someone who I actually knew that was on the cheerleading squad. It was just odd. Yeah. Our cheerleaders at our school were a different breed too. Yeah. So Gabrielle Union kept her Clover's uniform, which she, like Danielle st- said, she wore recently and then she even had her child dressed in a little minis quiver I, I do love that some of the cast had to spend a night part of a night in a jail in Tijuana it's like a whole Tijuana story the producers claim one of the producers claimed that he was called to bail them out Eliza says no producers were called and they were able to make it back on set Peyton Reed knew nothing about this neither did some of the other members to make sure that like they didn't get in trouble they found out later he's like look they came in on time I don't really care and James Franco and Jason Schwartzman were both auditioned for the role of Cliff and at the time James Franco had just finished the pilot for Freaks and Geeks he wasn't sure if he was even the show was going to get picked up so straight to jail with both of those I'm glad that they didn't get it yeah (laughs) But before we get into our ratings rewind, I just wanted to remind you guys to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube at No More Late Fees. And Jackie, I mean, it's not a question, is it? It's What's... not. Okay. Uh, even with all of the the side eye stuff, the essay, the slurs, like I just I feel in my heart of hearts. That if we remade this movie today, it would be done without those things and still maintain the like heart of the movie. Yeah. Like we just know better now. Yeah. We know better now. <laughs> I just think it's not even that we know better. It's Hollywood is held accountable now. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it is that we know better, but we have social media. So now there's real repercussions and they can't just do shit all the time, even though they still do. Ezra Miller I'm a hundred percent would buy it again love this movie no more late fees employee picks 2023 didn't think we'd get another one it's been a rough season (laughs) it has we only have three so far 
stand. Well, if you have opinions about Bring It On, please hit us up on our quick drop, 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. Twat us at the Twitters or leave a message on our Spotify for Podcasters account, and you can be featured on a future episode. And join us next week as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of a true summer blockbuster, Armageddon. I don't want to miss a thing. Jesus. That's going to be a very interesting episode. (laughs) And as always, be kind and rewind. Nice.